Welcome to the Thriving on Purpose podcast, where we teach Christian entrepreneurs how to build a strong foundation of faith, growth, and skill to lead and thrive on purpose in life and business. And now, here are your hosts, certified coaches, Elizabeth and Sebastian Richard. Hi there. Hi, everybody. Thanks for joining us for this third episode of Thriving on Purpose. Today's episode, the title is 12 Reasons Why Christians Need Personal Development. I'm here with Elizabeth, and uh, I got to warn you, today's episode is going to be a little bit controversial. Um, as you come to know us, as you've listened to us the first couple episodes, you've seen that we have kind of a grace and sandpaper approach. But so far, there hasn't been that much sandpaper. Today is going to be a little bit, a little bit more rough. Uh, there might be some things that might be said that might uh, be deemed a little bit more controversial. But you know what? That's what we're all about. Uh, we like to tackle some issues sometimes that uh, Christians don't dare to touch with a 10-foot pole. And that's fine. So, 12 reasons why Christians need personal development. Here's the thing. God wants us to be whole, okay? He made us in His image. He has three components, as you all know, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. But we human beings, we also have three components. We have a body, a spirit, and a soul. But the sad thing is that most Christians focus solely on developing themselves spiritually. Uh, if you've been in church for a while, you've probably been told, you know, um, to develop yourself spiritually. You're encouraged and exhorted by, uh, to do that, and that's great because it's super important, okay? But here's the thing. Some Christians just focus on developing themselves spiritually, and they neglect to develop themselves in other areas, and that way they miss out on becoming all that God wants them to become. I want to share a couple verses in this, uh, at the beginning of this episode. Uh, one verse that I really found insightful was in uh, 2 Peter chapter 1, uh, the verses 3 to 10, it starts, it starts by saying what Jesus gave us, right? It says, His divine power has granted to us all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of Him who called us to His own glory and excellence, by which He has granted to us His precious and very great promises, so that through them you may become partakers of the divine nature having escaped from the corruption that is in the world because of sinful desire. Now, this is where it gets important. Verse 5. For this very reason, make every effort to supplement your faith with virtue, and virtue with knowledge, and knowledge with self-control, and self-control with steadfastness, there's a word we don't use much in the English language. That, that means perseverance, by the way. And steadfastness with godliness, and godliness with brotherly affection, and brotherly affection with love. For if these qualities, if these qualities are yours and are increasing, they keep you from being ineffective or unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. For whoever lacks these qualities is so nearsighted that he is blind, having forgotten 
that he was cleansed from his former sins. So in that verse, the Apostle Peter says to add to our faith. And that's what we want to talk about today. We want to talk about how personal development is not opposed to spiritual development. As Christians, oftentimes we, we think that personal development is kind of sectarian or it's something that doesn't have anything to do with the Christian walk or the Christian faith. But we're here in this episode to show you that it's actually the opposite. They complement one another and they help us to grow and to become everything that we are supposed to become. So I want to address, first of all, in, in the beginning of this episode, the some bad mindsets that we have or habits or even excuses that some believers have developed who neglect their personal growth. Exactly. So... Um, the first one, the first point would be, uh, well, it's actually more of an excuse. I just need to wait on the Lord. We all love the verse in Isaiah forty thirty one, which says, Those who wait on the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. So what is the problem when we rely solely on this verse? Well, First of all, this verse is one of my favorites. Really, it is. Um, it's mine too. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I know your mom used to love this verse. She shared it with you and, and, and you really love it. And I love it too. And I actually, uh, we're recording this podcast in our office. And right in the back of me, there's a plaque on the wall that has this very verse. This right. beautiful plaque with an eagle. Uh, so we love this verse. And I want you to people to, to not think that we don't love it or we're dissing it. Not at all. But the problem is this, okay? Some Christians prefer to wait on the Lord while neglecting to do the work first. Uh, some Christians reason that good things come to those who wait. But oftentimes we fail to understand that, uh, that God wants us to wait actively. Uh, sure, there's a time when you're going to need to, you know, do like Psalm 46, 11, I think says, be still and know that I am God. There, but mm -hmm. that's when you have done everything that you could humanly by relying on him, okay? And that now is the time, okay, I've done everything I can. Now it's really up to God. So there's a time for waiting on the Lord. But this verse cannot be, this passage cannot be used as a crutch. And that's the problem that I've seen in some Christians. They use it as a crutch. They say, I don't need to do, I don't need to become, I just need to wait on God. He's going to make it happen. And I think that um, I've seen this mostly with women in the church. Um, obviously, you know, it goes for everybody, but women tend to do that a lot more. Um, there's this idea that, you know, if you're a good um, Christian wife, then your only job is to pray and wait and pray and wait and uh, not take any action and not work together um, as husband and wife to put things into place to help yourselves, whether it's financial troubles, whether it's problems in your marriage, problems with your children. Um, you know, God asks us to better ourselves and to take action. We're responsible for ourselves and we're responsible for um, the actions that we're taking uh, by being obedient to what he's asking of us on a daily basis. Mm -hmm. So I think that um, it's actually, you know, kind of frustrating in a way because um, 
using this verse as a crutch it's kind of like uh, saying that you're you know that you're just gonna wait and expect God to do everything in your life just by praying um, you know as parents you'll do this with your children you'll you know instruct them and you'll give them insights and you expect them to take action yeah you don't expect them to just say you know oh that makes sense that's great and then do nothing right mm -hmm. you expect them to take action so in the same way we should as Christians take action and then pray and then wait on the Lord and he'll you know do the next steps mm. that's a good point you make uh... And also, I think that those who stick solely with spiritual growth, um, they, 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 they use it also to, let's be honest, to kind of be lazy. Uh, it's a great way to do nothing. If you're lazy, if you, if you have a if you have the lazy sin, nature, if yeah. you have a lazy nature, if you have the sin of being lazy, well, it's a good way to uh, stay in your comfort zone. So which is easier to say? I am waiting on the Lord or to do all that you can do with what he's given you first and then leave the results to God. Obviously, the easiest is to say, I'm waiting on the Lord. And for the lazy person, they're going to choose the easiest way, which is oftentimes that they're going to use that to, to stay in their comfort zone. Yeah, I knew uh, a lady that was really, really, um, you know, she really did not like her job and she just couldn't see a way out of doing what she was doing and she would tell me constantly well I'm praying and I'm just waiting for God to show me I'm just waiting for him to to show me the way and to show me what I should do and you know there's there's a time for that when you need clarity and you need to stop and ask God for guidance yeah. but there's also a time where you need to take action and say you know what I don't like my job I don't like what I'm doing I yeah. need to move in a direction and God's gonna open the doors as I move or he's gonna close the doors and he's gonna guide me yeah, so you, you're mm -hmm. still relying on him. You're still praying. You're moving out of that situation because what good is it to just stay and be miserable? Yeah. And just what do you really think that God's going to, you know, I don't know, have a job waiting for you the minute you open the door and some guy's going to show up on your doorstep saying, hey, I have a job for you. Yeah. It doesn't work like that, you know. So um, I remember that that story of that lady and she just was like, no, no, you don't understand. I, I'm praying and I'm just going to wait and he's going to just show me. And she's still at that job she hates for like 18 years now. Mm -hmm. Nothing has changed in her life Nothing. and she's still miserable and she still is waiting for I don't know what, you know. So yeah. um, we're going like, to, I'm going like, to let like, you say the next quote. Yeah, well, like I like what you said and then waiting actively on the Lord is, is the, the illustration you gave about the, the job seeking thing. Yeah, that's that's mm -hmm. huge, right? I mean, like, right. obviously the job would just, rarely does it happen that someone's just going to give you an opportunity out of the blue. You have to go on job posting sites. You have to, you have to put get out there, out put there. your CV online, you try to, and also prayerfully ask for God's guidance in all this. So it's, it's, a, it's a partnership. Winning on the Lord is not just sitting on your laurels and waiting, waiting for Him to And the it. other thing I want to say is I know some of you are saying, yeah, well, I've heard of this story where God did this and God did yes. that. There are these spiritual you know, interventions, but I'll tell you something. When things like that happen, 
happen is because that person has done everything God has asked them. Mm -hmm. He has taken action. The doors have not opened, but he still did the work. He Mm -hmm. still took the actions. The doors were shut, 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 shut in his face. And then all of a sudden he prays and then a door opens, something, you know, supernatural, something wow happens that is, you know, is a God, God thing. Like we call it that only God, you know, it's from God. Only God would do this. Yeah. But most of the time, if you look at those stories, the person has, you know, really done everything possible at first. Yeah, he absolutely. was obedient to God first. Yeah, a quick story. There was this guy back when I was, I don't know, I was maybe 25. I was actively looking for a wife. And uh, we were talking, me and him. He was about my age, maybe a two, couple of years older. And he still didn't have a wife. He was like 27 or something. And uh, me, I was actively looking like... You know, <laughs> maybe a little too actively. <laughs> but when I asked him, like, if he wanted a girlfriend, if he was anxious to get married, he said, oh, yeah, I can't wait. And, and I said, so, like, what, what are you doing for it? Like, he says, doing, I'm, I'm not doing anything. I know God will present her to me when the time is right. And uh, I saw him, like, 10 years later, he was still single. Uh, and I was married. I had been married for years because... The Bible says, he who findeth a wife findeth a good thing. So what does that imply? It implies looking. You're actively looking. You're getting (laughs) out of your house. When you find something, (laughs) yeah, exactly. Get out of your house and you actually go looking. (laughs) Anyway, just a short story. I'm going to finish with a quote for this first point. Uh, uh, Some wait on the Lord because they find it's easier than girding themselves and getting to work. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. So we'll um, start with the second point, which is uh, another interesting one. It's the personal growth is, uh, that personal growth is by pagans for pagans. So that's a huge misconception. Mm -hmm. Personal growth is by pagans for pagans. So we associate personal growth with ungodly paganism and faithlessness. See, that's understandable. I mean, I I get it. Um, Many of the... Top personal growth gurus, I mean, if we take the popular ones that are on TV, Oprah, Tony Robbins, Deepak Chopra, Wayne Dyer, and a slew of others, they have a very strong New Age flavor. Mm-hmm. And as you know, uh, New Age has many beliefs that are not compatible with biblical Christianity. So, in reaction to this, Christians threw the baby out with the bathwater. So, what do I mean? Well, for example, Uh, they'll throw out anything that reminds them of these gurus' teachings. For example, it's not because we disagree with, I'm just giving an example, with Tony Robbins' view of God that all the secular speakers don't uh, align with scriptures, okay? Uh, So that's the mistake we do. Like, oh, well, uh, secular speakers don't align with scriptures because I heard Tony Robbins once or I heard Oprah once and so you throw all of them out the out of the window and you don't deal with any of them. For example, the late uh, Jim Rohn, uh, Brian Tracy, just off the top of my head, Les Brown. These are three guys that are considered secular that whose values align with biblical values. Mm-hmm. I mean, I've never heard Brian Tracy or Jim Rohn say something that went against what we're taught in the Bible or in church. So this is very important, okay? So what happens is that these Christians, to protect themselves from the leaven, I guess you could call it, found in what they deem to be secular or pagan personal growth, they decided, they're like, you know what, I'm just going to stay safe, I'm going to stick with the Bible, and they don't touch anything else outside of it. Now, that said, I don't want to be misunderstood here. 
The Bible is my number one source of personal growth, and it should be the place to start for any believer, okay? I can't re-emphasize that enough. That is the main thing. But, and there's a but, the main problem is that instead of the fear of God, many Christians have developed the fear of false doctrine. And what this does, well, it, it makes them to, to go into like a kind of overprotectiveness. So what they do is to protect themselves, they stick only to what is deemed safe. So they stick to their church, the Bible, and Christian books. And this way, they believe that they avoid anything else that doesn't have a Christian flavor that could lead them down the wrong path. But here's the thing, okay? You need to have discernment. It's, it's a big problem if to, to throw everything outside, everything that's secular outside of your belief system. Uh, I'm not saying go all secular. That's not what I'm saying, okay? But I'm saying don't, don't shut everything out. Um, for example, God has used many, many books in my life to help me grow throughout the years, and some of these books were not Christian books. And by the way, there's even some Christian books out there that... If you're not careful, they don't necessarily have doctrines that are helpful for you or that are actually biblically aligned. Uh, it's not because they're, quote-unquote, in a Christian catalog that they're necessarily 100% foolproof and, and perfect for you. But that said, there's secular books like, for example, The Seven Habits of Highly Effective People, uh, Rich Dad, Poor Dad, or The 21 Irrefutable Laws of Leadership, to name just a few, that are perfectly fine and alignable with biblical doctrine, okay? There's nothing that goes against, in those books, that goes against what we're taught in the Bible. Um, exactly. And, you know, I uh, studied a, a year in Bible college where we learned the Bible from cover to cover, and, they, you know, we dissected it, and we went into depth, and um, and I learned a lot in during that year. But when I started my, my um, personal growth journey that was very different for me because um, I was learning more in depth how we think and why we think a certain way and in a way by learning more about how I can grow as a person and develop I was learning more about how I was made how God made me and that helped me understand a lot more um, you know the the beauty of God's creation and how we're designed for his kingdom and how um, if we really work at, you know, fulfilling our fullest potential and uh, accomplishing our purpose, um, you know, it's how we're designed. Like you're basically saying, how we're designed for growth. God designed exactly, us for growth. Exactly, exactly. And you understand the Bible, the the Bible in a different light. You understand humans in a different light, and mm -hmm. even people and their leadership roles and everything in the Bible. And um, and this really opened my eyes to to understand more, you know, how our how our mindset works, mm -hmm. and how we've been through the years, church or no church, have been, you know, kind of programmed in in negative thinking, um, and that's a generational thing of how you're raised, and um, even if you were raised in the church, I was raised in the church, I was, uh, you know. Uh, dedicated. I was born in the church. You were the daughter my pastor, of an elder. <laughs> my pastor knew me since I was baby, and my dad was a deacon, so I was pretty, you know, familiar with uh, with the Bible and with everything the the Christian world. And I can tell you that I've seen a lot of Christians just sit and be spiritual and religious, and they they don't they don't crave to be um, whole and to be 
to, to strive to be more. Mm-hmm. And there's a lot of verses in the Bible that, that do talk about us, uh, like the one that you mentioned, Sebastian, in the beginning, mm-hmm. um, that we're to increase our knowledge to and what that means. Yeah. So it's not just... Like, obviously, if you're going to read just one book, read the Bible, because yeah. that's the most important. Exactly. But outside of that, you do need to work at it, work at it more to grow a little more. Yeah. So uh, secular just means non-religious, not antichrist. There is a difference. So discernment and balance are required here. Mm, yeah, I agree with that. Yeah, it's really good. And I know that you had a couple of quotes you wanted to share. Yes, uh, yes, I do. Like some very good quotes. Uh, first one is from Charles Spurgeon. I mean, if you're gonna if you're gonna do a Christian show, you quote Spurgeon. Talk about <laughs> being, talk about going on the safe side. You quote Spurgeon, you always know you're gonna be all right. So I'm gonna quote Spurgeon, the renowned preacher, the, the guy who was uh, nicknamed the Prince of Preacher. He gave us a really good rule of thumb for for what I think is personal development consumption. Here's what he said. He said, visit many good books, but live in the Bible. Mm. And another good quote is from a book I actually read this morning. It's a quote by Benjamin Warfield, uh, who was a 20th century Protestant theologian. Here's what he said. It's it's a rather long quote, but I I really want to read it to you guys because I think it's really, really good. We must not then, as Christians, assume an attitude of antagonism towards the truth, the, tr- the truths of reason, or the truths of philosophy, or the truths of science, or the truths of history, or the truths of criticism. As children of light, we must be careful to keep ourselves open to every ray of light. Let us then cultivate an attitude of courage as over over against the investigations of the day. None should be more zealous in them than we. None should be more quick to discern truth in every field, more more hospitable to receive it, more loyal to follow it, whithersoever it leads. So in other words, he's saying, chew the grass and spit out the hay and be willing to do just that. Uh, Benjamin Warfield is actually inviting us, urging us, exhorting us to not be afraid of these other fields and to be willing to study them and to discern in each field what is good to retain, retain what is good, like the Apostle Paul says, mm-hmm. and reject the rest. Basically, chew the grass and spit out the hay. Just like when you're learning science, um, you know, at, in university or whether you're learning it through uh, Christian um, theology when you're studying to be a pastor, mm-hmm. you, you, they'll teach you about science. Well, you need to know the views, you know, of, uh, of science today, what's yeah. taught in university, because how can you have a proper discussion about God if you don't understand what people out there are thinking, right? Yeah, well, here's the thing with intellectuals today. If you discuss with an atheist or an agnostic, if you're not at all versed in those things, if you don't even know what they believe, mm. how can you refute it? You're yeah. ill-equipped, basically, from the start. So that's And really, then everything you say like, is I, non-credible. I'm not saying to Christians, hey, go out and start reading atheists' books. <laughs> well, if you want, if you want to read a book by Richard Dawkins, you go to The God Delusion, go right ahead. I mean, it's just going to give you some tools, right, to, to know what you're talking about when you're debating. For some people, that's what they're called to do, mm-hmm. and that's fine. But I'm not saying it's for, I'm just saying it's not for everybody. But to have at least a basis of knowledge in what other people believe, that, yeah. that's going to help you out. 
Which brings us to our third point. Yes. So another um, another reason why Christians need personal ve- personal development is because of this third excuse. I already know all I need to know because I'm a believer. So some Christians believe they have all the answers through doctrine and the Holy Ghost, so they do not seek answers anymore. So they just sit at church and learn what the pastor teaches them, and that's pretty much it for the whole week until next Sunday. And that, that to me, borders on arrogance. Um, actually, I think it's downright arrogance, because the thing is, God knows all things. We don't. Mm-hmm. And that attitude is more like a, uh, I guess, Christian arrogance that, that some non-believers have come to hate about Christians. Right. You see, they act like they're they they're know-it-alls or they holier than thou. That's that attitude, right? It's right there. So uh, those who believe they already have all the answers stop growing. The Apostle Paul told us in the Scriptures that knowledge puffs up. And you might have also heard that a little knowledge is a dangerous thing. Um, personal anecdote. Um I was about maybe 29, 29 years old, 30 years old. I fell into that trap. I had a little knowledge and I had become puffed up. And it took my wife to set me straight. She told me... Did I burst your bubble? (laughs) (laughs) She's good at that, bursting bubbles. We got to give her that. But, but you saw me going and it was good. I mean, it was a good exhortation. She basically told me, look, uh, you're arrogant. You've become arrogant. You you know a few things here and there, but you've become arrogant. Um, I thought I knew a lot, and <laughs> and here's and God's just amazing. I mean, my wife said that to me, but you know what God did? And I'm not going to go in detail here. I'm just going to say he he took me back to the book of Genesis to show me that I knew nothing. Uh, there was one verse he used that knocked me off my pedestal, and that's how God works. I mean, when God wants to. Uh, scold you as a, as a parent scolds a child, uh, he can basically do it laughing, basically, because it's so easy for him. And I fell off my pedestal big time when that one little verse just crept up and basically threw out all my theology that I thought I knew at the time. And so I, I began a new journey in spiritual growth at that moment. But all this to say, uh, never think that you know it all because we definitely don't. Uh, Someone once said the greatest danger in having a little knowledge is not knowing that it is just that, a little knowledge. Mm. Um, When we believe we have all the answers, we stop basically doing what Jesus said, seeking, knocking, asking. Uh, There's a passage in the New Testament in John chapter 9, verses 34 to 41, Jesus, uh, 39 to 41, sorry. Jesus said this about those who believe they have all the answers. He said, For judgment I have come into this world, that those who do not see may see, and that those who see may be made blind. And then some of the Pharisees who were with him heard these words and said to him, Are we blind also? Jesus said to them, If you were blind, you would have no sin. But now now you say, We see, therefore your sin remains." Uh, that passage is uh, just one of the many passages where <laughs> Jesus <laughs> said something to the Pharisees that might just have upset them a little bit and might have made them want to kill him. I'm just saying, you know. Uh, 
just had a way to um, just punch his adversaries with words in a way that I've never seen anyone do before because he was a truth incarnate and <laughs> it's just so powerful what he said. But too often, we too, uh, Christians, can act like Pharisees who had all the answers and we too can say, hey, we see because we're Christians, because we have the Holy Ghost, because we think we have correct doctrine. And I say we think we have correct doctrine. So now today, so I gave you, like in the, in the first uh, part of this show, we gave you the first, the three things, uh, the three reasons uh, that people cop out of spiritual growth, that Christians cop out of spiritual growth. Uh, but we want to show you in today's show how spiritual growth and personal growth go, grow together to make you everything that God wants you to be. Exactly. I'm just going to give you a quick definition um, in Wiki Wikipedia uh, on what it means, uh, personal development. So the their definition on Google is that personal development covers activities that improve awareness and identity, develop talents and potential, build human capital and facilitate employability, enhance the quality of life and contribute to the real realization of dreams and aspirations. Yeah, well, see, like, it's obvious from the simple definition that Christians also need personal development. I mean, everybody needs uh, to develop their talents and potential. I don't care if you've been a Christian 25 years or, or, or two months. Mm -hmm. uh, everybody needs to improve in areas of awareness and identity or to enhance their quality of life or contribute right. more to society as a whole to become more <laughs> employable. <laughs> Come on, these are skills that uh, should be a must for every believer. Absolutely. Um, so... Basically, personal and spiritual growth are two sides of one coin. They complement each other in ways that most believers ignore. Personal growth feeds the human being part of you, but spiritual growth feeds the spiritual being part of you. And as Christian entrepreneurs, you need both in order to be successful. Absolutely. So as Christians, we are part of two realms. Heaven, our retirement, and earth, our place of work. So some Christians make the mistakes of being so focused on heaven that their feet aren't touching the ground. By constantly thinking about their spiritual retirement, they neglect the work they have to do here and now. So some people are so heavenly minded that they are no earthly good. That's a quote by Oliver Wendell Holmes. That's an excellent quote. Some people are so heavenly minded that they are of no earthly good. And, and Jim Rohn uh, once used that quote and I laughed, but it's really good because yeah. that's true. Some, some Christians are so like, uh, they basically have their minds in the cloud. And you know, it brings me back to, um, well, I know you have a story about that at work. Um, but oh, yeah. I also yeah. lived it when, when I was in Bible college. Um, we did a lot of door-to-door, -door and we, we would go and knock on people's doors, uh, more uh, young people in the universities, and talk to them about God. And, you know, um, a, lot of, a lot of the people that I was doing this with in, the, the, in uh, the, our school and in, and in the church, this is the same thing, I've seen this in the church, is that people will throw verses at other people and think that it's going to have the same impact 
you know, people don't understand verses like you do if they're not Christian. Mm -hmm. So just throwing verses at them and thinking that it's going to have this huge impact, not necessarily. Mm -hmm. Like you really have to talk to the person from a human point and really understand their struggles and where they're at. And, um, you know, the fact that I had gone through such hard uh, ordeals when my mom was very sick with cancer for many years and and she passed away, it it brought this human side to me that I could understand suffering. Mm -hmm. And maybe that's why I was able to talk to them more about God through my personal story. But, and I think this is, this is you know, it explains this point, like, if you can be ultra spiritual all you want, but you're not going to have an effective um, outcome. You're not going to be effective, you know, when mm -hmm. you're talking to another non-Christian about God. Yeah, that's an excellent point. And yes, I did have a story uh, that happened years ago, I think maybe 15 years ago or so. I was working with this other Christian at work and um, we worked in, a, in a, um, a warehouse environment at Canada Post, right? So blue collar job, uh, physical work, and uh, this guy was, he was one of those typical Christians, not typical Christians, but I would say like those Christians who is all about spiritual, spiritual, spiritual growth, but he was so heavenly minded, he was no earthly good, mm -hmm. that was one of those. And um, he just kept evangelizing on the floor, talking about Jesus, hallelujah this, amen that. He spoke Christianese even with non-believers, so they always looked at him weird. And, but the problem was he was so busy evangelizing that he was lazy on the work floor. And uh, his reputation was as a guy who was not doing what he was supposed to do and who just kept talking about Jesus all the time and who was unrelatable, completely unrelatable. And uh, one day I took, I took it upon myself to uh, take him aside and talk to him a little bit. I said, look, uh, I need to talk to you. So we're just the two of us. I said, dude, do you see what's going on here? He says, yes, glory to God, I'm evangelizing. I said, no, no, that's not mm. what's going on here. First of all, they think you're crazy. They don't think you're, God <laughs> they don't think you're godly because all you do is talk about Jesus. And second of all, you've become so enamored with talking about Jesus that you don't work. So they think you're also lazy on top of thinking you're crazy. So here's what you should do from now on. You should really put some emphasis on your work and maybe when you've done that for a while, you slip in a few verses or uh, the word Jesus in a couple of conversations and see how that changes. And the guy was humble enough, I have to give him that, he was humble enough that he, he took my advice to heart. And uh, things changed a little bit for a while anyway. After that, he resorted back to his old ways, <laughs> such as human nature. But um, it was just an example I wanted to give you guys. Like, that's not the way we should do things. So, here's a great quote I want to share with you after this. Spiritual growth establishes your solid foundation in Christ. Personal growth determines how high your edifice will rise. I love that one. You can quote me on that. That's a quote from me. <laughs> you can tweet it. In fact, I urge you to do so. <laughs> so, here's the most interesting observations about both spiritual growth and personal growth. Uh, I listed 12, and we think that this will help you to see how they work together. The number one observation is, spiritual growth is focused towards God. Personal growth is focused towards self. Now, I want to 
make a little clarification here. This doesn't mean that personal growth is bad because it's not focused on God, okay? It, it, when a plant gets fed the nutrients in the earth, we don't say that this plant is self-absorbed. She's just being fed nutrients to grow higher. Her, and here's the thing about uh, how spiritual growth establishes your foundation in Christ. These are your roots. These are Your spiritual growth is your roots, how big they're going to go. And your personal growth is how high your plant is going to grow. Exactly. And you know, the, the opposite is true as well. Like in um, the motivational world, if you want, of personal growth without God. So those that believe in motivation and personal growth without God have that void. They're missing that foundation. So yeah. the two really, really balance each other. Because if you are only in motivational and uh, personal growth yeah. and not at all in spiritual growth, uh, and I mean, I don't mean like the law of attraction and no. you know, um, new age stuff. I mean like really in depth with God, then you're going to have that great balance and um, both are going to complement each other. I've, I've seen so many times on, uh, I have a lot of people actually on my Instagram that, that follow me that aren't Christians. And you can see just by their quotes and their comments and stuff, everything is so focused on themselves and the power of themselves and their minds. And it's all about them that, you know, that will take you just so far. It can't bring you very far. And, you know, you're going to hit a wall at one point. It's just not going to propel you or your business if you're missing that spiritual component. So let's be clear on that as well. And even if you do reach success, it might actually be a, a trap for you. If you don't have God and you mm -hmm. reach success without him, well, you're in a worse situation because all of a sudden you're a rich man. And remember what Jesus said about being rich without knowing God, it's harder for a rich man to enter heaven. So it's always better to reverse things. Know God first and then become rich. Yeah, a lot It'll of... be okay. <laughs> a lot of, yeah, a lot of uh, powerful men. And we've heard stories even from John Maxwell talking about this and a lot of other uh, success, successful Christian entrepreneurs, um, you know, having conversations with people that have, ha have had it all. And they have this void, you know, they're, you can't escape it. Without God, you do have this void, and no, you know, a lot of people will say, "Yeah, but all I need is money to be happy." No, you won't be happy just with money. It it helps. It you know will put a bandaid on a lot of problems, but you still need God for everything else. And um, anyway, that's another story for another time. Yeah, so, it could be another podcast. But, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So number two is that. Spiritual growth can increase your status and rewards in heaven. Personal growth can increase your status and rewards on earth. I love that. Number three, spiritual growth improves your knowledge of God, about God, and your walk with Him. Personal growth improves your knowledge of self, your relationship with others, and with the world around you. And number four is spiritual growth makes you go deeper spiritually. Personal growth makes you go higher and wider humanly. Oh, very interesting. Number five, spiritual growth makes you see your limits and your need of God. Personal growth makes you see, makes you see your God-given potential and possibilities. Number six, spiritual growth produces humility and dependence on God. 
Personal growth produces confidence in the tools and abilities God gave you. Mm. Number seven, spiritual growth makes you pray for and appreciate miracles. Personal growth makes you want to be a miracle. Mm. Number eight, spiritual growth makes you more aware of your inherent poverty. Personal growth makes you more aware of your riches. Oh, I love that one. Um, just a little comment on that one. When you grow in Christ, you become more and more aware of your sin. Mm -hmm. You become more and more aware of how poor you are without Him. And, and what's interesting is, is about personal growth makes you more aware of what God has given you as far as potential is concerned. So as, as, as you're... Uh, what God has invested in you as a human being. So it's really a great balance. Exactly. Uh, number nine, spiritual growth makes you more competent in heavenly matters. Personal growth makes you more competent in earthly matters. And number 10, spiritual growth makes you more generous. Personal growth gives you more to give. Oh, I like that one. Uh, Paul Martinelli, the president of the John Maxwell team, once said, uh, says, I meet a lot of people who say that they really want to help people, but they're broke. He says, how many people can you really help if you're completely broke? Mm -hmm. And think about it. How many people can you help if you have more to give? If you actually, through personal growth and developing yourself, have acquired more skills and made yourself more employable and therefore make more money, you can bless more people. So, you know, having money is not a sin at all. It's actually how you use it. Number 11. Spiritual growth helps you believe that God can do all things. Personal growth ma makes you believe that with God's help, you can do all things. As the scripture says, I can do all things in Christ who strengthens me. Right. Spiritual growth makes you long for heaven's glory. Personal growth makes you want to make it happen here and now. Remember the Lord's Prayer? Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven? Mm -hmm. Yeah, exactly. Uh, it's, it's interesting that it's in the Lord's Prayer. Mm. We, we, we want God's will to be done, but He uses human vessels to make His will manifest on earth. And we forget that ever so often. Right. So, hey... We have reached the end uh, we, uh, of this podcast on why Christians need spiritual... Uh, uh, <laughs> they do need spiritual growth for sure. <laughs> why, why they need personal growth as well. So in closing, I want to leave you with a few thoughts, okay? Here's a few thoughts. We're called to be balanced and sober in all things in the scriptures, okay? So if we're going to achieve balance, we need to keep a few thoughts in mind. The balanced... Christian entrepreneur will demonstrate the fruit of both spiritual growth and personal growth. The balanced Christian entrepreneur will keep heaven in mind as he advances God's work here on earth. The balanced Christian entrepreneur will feed not just his spirit, but his growth, his skill, and his useful knowledge as well. And I really encourage you, if you have not a personal 
growth program. If you have never read a personal growth book, if personal growth is a foreign concept to you, hey, it was for me for years. I was in church for years and years before I actually touched base with personal, personal growth. And to be very, very honest here, and I'm not dissing spiritual growth because I had become very deep, but I had not grown. Uh, so my roots ran deep, but for some reason I couldn't grow outside of the earth. <laughs> my, my, my plant was kind of very short. And so when I, when I got into personal growth, it really catapulted my faith in action mode. And that's what I think it does for a Christian. It's good to have deep roots through spiritual growth, but if that's all you have, well, you're missing that other part, you know, like a plant has, it's, a tree is supposed to have, when you look at a tree outside, it is said that a tree will have just as many roots as what you see outside. So depending on how high and wide and large a tree is, you can actually picture underneath the earth that it's just about as big which is really impressive when you think about it, right? Right. But again, it shows that balance. So beneath the earth, there's these deep running roots that go very, very deep. And outside the earth, there's all this foliage and, and nice branches that spread out and go towards the sun. Mm -hmm. And I think that's a beautiful illustration of how balanced we should be. Exactly. So this concludes our third episode, but we did prepare a resource for you guys. So whether you're starting your personal growth journey or maybe you're a seasoned um, seasoned person, uh, entrepreneur that has already started reading personal growth books, um, we did prepare the show notes of our teachings so that you can um, you know, meditate on these things. I know we, we gave you a lot of information, so if you want to reread them, there is going to be a, a form just below the podcast where you can fill in your information. So we'll send you that and we'll also um, include you on our podcast episode list so that you can receive new episodes as they come. Yeah, today was a lot of content. I mean, there's a lot to digest and I highly recommend you download those notes if you haven't done so. Yeah, so we kind of like um, did you know, a few resources for beginners and for the more advanced so that everybody gets something really amazing out of it. So until next week, be blessed and thrive on. Thanks for listening to the Thriving on Purpose podcast. Be sure to visit thrivingonpurpose.com to access the show notes and to discover more fantastic content. Until next time, be blessed and may you thrive on purpose.